1: Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
0: Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. At
1: least. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I've been drinking moonshine straight from my 10-gallon hat. It's high noon for Monday, August 24th, 2020, and what a weekend. On Saturday, I went out to have a nice brunch in good old Los Feliz, California, and There is a post office across from the restaurant at which I ate and there was a quote unquote protest about the U.S. Postal Service. Save our Postal Service is what they were saying. One uh, maybe 65 year old man, slightly rotund, was wearing a light blue sheet and a, uh, a crown of some sort and holding a fake torch, he was dressed up as the Statue of Liberty because that's got something to do with the post office. And there were approximately 15 hipsters and 10 old people, and they had an a information table where somebody was apparently giving away information about how the post office is being destroyed. But uh, yeah, so the entire time that we were sitting there eating uh, just cars up and down the street, honking their support at these idiots um, protesting for the post office is insane because nobody's closing down the post office. Nobody's doing anything to the post office except making it more efficient. And they were like calling for uh, the postmaster general to joy to be fired. That was what was on some of their signs. And then they kind of had the uh, the alteration of the postal service creed. The uh, the neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. And of course, they then make the sign that says uh, that crosses out snow and rain and heat and gloom and then fascism because, yes, fascism is shutting down the post office. How stupid have people become. The post office, the postal service has been doing less business throughout COVID. They have not been getting shut down. The mailboxes are not being stolen and taken away to, uh, to mailbox concentration camps. All right. Mailboxes don't have feelings. Mailbox lives don't matter because mailboxes don't have lives. All right replacing mailboxes with other mailboxes or taking away mailboxes that are not needed or taking away postal staff that is not needed is not fascism, all right? The post office has, te- the DeJoy, he testified for c- Congress saying that there was no problem with their ability to deliver ballots, even if everyone in the country cast them. Because they process more mail than that every day. Also, I really, I, you know, I should have gone over across the street and tried to talk to some of these people and film it. Because I would bet that not one of them could explain to me what the difference between absentee mail-in voting and universal mail-in voting would be. Uh, they did not there was nothing about them that seemed like they were particularly intelligent. And I could tell from their signs and looking at them and the fact that they were standing outside the post office on a Saturday for no reason. Uh, they are deluded people. This is a conspiracy theory. OK, the idea that conspiracy theories are only on the right is crazy. The mailbox conspiracy is dumber crazier and way less realistic than QAnon. And I just want to talk about that for a second because, you know, every outlet in the country seems to be publishing a QAnon piece uh, every day or two, and they don't understand at all what it is. Okay. Q is the figure behind QAnon. He is supposed to be someone in the military community that is very close to Trump and is describing blow for blow, how the Clinton, Obama, Biden, Democratic Party coup and election interference and the FBI's uh, forged FISA warrants and whatever else, all the stuff that was done to undermine Donald Trump, Michael Flynn, Carter Page and the rest, all all that Q is doing is describing those things and describing what is going on in the Trump administration vis-a-vis all these things. Okay. And the Anons and the followers of Q are entirely different. They are people who read the Q posts and then do research and try to construct narratives about what it all means. Okay. Okay. That stuff is separate from what the actual Q thing is. And you can't attribute the the wild theories that the followers or that Anon's might have to Q because they're not the same. And no one who's writing these articles seems to know that. Or if they do, they're intentionally obscuring that fact. OK. And again, I'm not telling anyone to believe in this and not saying that I believe in it. I am open-minded to it, and it is obviously something that is playing a role in our current politics, so that means you should know about it, okay? Everybody thinks like if they know about what Q is, if they take it seriously enough to find out what it is, then all of a sudden they're like tainted with the conspiracy taint, (laughs) Conspiracy date. But that's not how it works. Okay. Like the craziest leftist conspiracy theorists, the people who believe in the mailboxes, they can certainly describe for you what 9-11 trutherism is. Can't they? They can describe for you what Obama birtherism is, right? They know what the substance of the conspiracy theories are. That doesn't mean they believe in them. Like Q for all anyone knows could be a very, very good storyteller sitting in his basement making stuff up that also just happens to be things that come out of Donald Trump's mouth, Um, or it could be real, or it could be a PSYOP from a foreign country for all anyone knows, all right? So when you see stuff like that, obviously you take it with a grain of salt, but it doesn't mean... It's scary to find out what it is. It doesn't mean that you're a less legitimate thinker to find out what it is. All right. And uh, I'm I'm working on the next uh, the next essay episode, and it's going to be about respectability, intellectualism and a proper definition of privilege, one that actually makes sense. Uh, without all the intersectional bullshit and all the contradictions in the uh the current understanding of what of what privilege is you know they divide it into race privilege and gender privilege and cis privilege and all this other bullshit right um no, all that stuff breaks down like it's it's incoherent in itself like you can't even Play the theory out to its own ends and have it successfully work. All right. So that means the entire theory of privilege is off in a major way. And I've talked about this before, but I believe privilege should be defined as you are in a position where making continually bad choices has no effect on your well being. All right. So the people that that describes are, of course, Rich kids, people at colleges who can abuse privilege systems to get good grades, to make sure that they are advanced beyond other people by claiming sexism or racism or anything else. Like, these are real privileges, all right? Being born white is not a privilege for anything except not being called the N-word at any point in your life, okay? There is no planet on which Oprah Winfrey's imaginary children would somehow be less privileged than some little boy or girl born in a poor rural town in West Virginia whose parents are addicts or alcoholics or who abuse or, and beat them. And who grows up to see all of his friends killed. Dead from opiates. Arrested from selling meth. Alright. That person that I just described. Has no opportunity to have a good life. Unless they make all their decisions correctly. Okay. They cannot be wrong. They cannot fuck up or they will be stuck in the same cycle in which they were born. And that exactly describes the hellscape of urban minority communities in Democrat run cities. Okay. So the idea that privilege is about race or sex is just stupid on its face. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write about that and, and, attempt to reroute that narrative. But the thing that is the focus here is the respectability intellectualism. And what I mean by that is these, you know, quote unquote, very smart people who can't think their way out of some of the most simple situations in American politics right now. And one of them that I'm going to focus on is actually an intellectual hero of mine, Sam Harris, who is in well over his head, Discussing politics and is continually employing thought processes that he himself knows are bad. All right everything for people like him is being viewed through a lens of whether or not it helps or hurts Trump. And you will find people who are saying and making these arguments, um, quite a lot. They'll say, you know, I know that like Biden can barely form a sentence and that these guys are like really kind of extreme liberals and they're refusing to denounce the violence and the rioting. And, you know, like, they're catering to a lot of bad people in their party. And yeah, I don't agree with the wokeness and I don't agree with, uh, like this censorship and cancel culture and blah, blah, blah. But you know, I don't personally support that, but on the other side, there's Trump. No, no. The truth is you do support that. All right. And the reason you support it is because you're too afraid to say, What is true and what is right because you are worried about your job or you are worried about being respected by those types of intellectuals, okay? And now that type of intellectualism is as privileged as it can get. These people have public voices. They're talking about the most important subjects of all time. I think that everyone will agree that this is one of the most important moments, perhaps in human history and certainly in the history of the United States. And these people do not have the fortitude to say what is true. They do not even have the fortitude to consider that they might be wrong. Yet that is what they ask everyone else to do about every other issue. And the truth is that no matter who wins in November, no matter what happens, they are going to be okay because they are privileged. Like I said, nothing about the decisions they make can have a downside for them, or at least they believe that because none of them are actually accounting for the massive downside potential of what a Biden presidency could mean, of what a Kamala Harris presidency could mean and if you're not accounting for that because you think that your good name is too good and you want the respectability you want the respect of this type of person then you have no morals you are not an intellectual and you are not a smart person okay You cannot just draw an equivalence between everything terrible that's happening on the left right now and say, oh, yeah, well, Donald Trump is bad. No, you don't know anything about that. I know your arguments better than you know them. And that shouldn't be so, because if you can't argue against someone like me and win, then you don't have the information that you think you have. Everything these people believe is based on being able to say that someone else believes it too, and they will hold on to that so that they can maintain the respect for themselves within their community. That is greed and selfishness, and it is a lack of intellectual curiosity, and these people should not be allowed to dominate the conversation, and they should not be allowed to tell you what to think or to judge your moral worth based on your ability to see outside of their crazy paradigm. And it is crazy. All right. No one should look at decisions this big and consider and and refuse to consider that they're wrong. It is absolutely crazy, especially when you see what's going on in the world right now. If you listen to controlled demolition, which you should, you will see what the media and the Democrats and the old guard have shown you for the last six months. And in that, and I'm going to expound on this a little bit more in the coming weeks and days, but the state media is something that we have to understand. All right. When we hear these dystopian tales about the state media, we always assume that the person in power, the president is somehow controlling the media. And that that's what state media is. Okay, no state media is a conglomeration of the media, political parties and all of the uh, institutions that they intersect. Donald Trump is not part of that. Donald Trump does not have control over the media as president. He has no control over the media. And that is obvious because every media outlet has tried to destroy him, except for, uh, you know, like new outlets like OANN that are obvious that obviously have an agenda. And even Fox has gone along with a bunch of bad narratives. All right. They're not in the tank for Trump by any means. The rest of the media is absolutely in opposition to Donald Trump. They enforce narratives. They have enforced the same narratives for 40 years. That's why all of us think it's reality. It's not. And you can use facts and logic to figure that out. All right. Why do we go to war with Iraq? Why don't we know anything about the guy that shot like 59 people in the Las Vegas massacre? Why don't we know anything about that? Doesn't it matter? Shouldn't it matter? Why did the media get COVID so fantastically wrong? Why did Fox cut away from the president's answer to a question yesterday in his press conference about convalescent plasma when he was asked whether politics had held up the accessibility of treatments and he started to answer that, yes, it had. And Fox immediately cut to a commercial. I'm not sure if the other networks did. I'm not sure if the other networks even carried his speech, but think about that when you watch news programming and you see how many ads there are for pharmaceutical companies. And then remember that Trump has done more to curtail the pharmaceutical industry's power than anyone before him and way more than nonsense candidates like Bernie Sanders pretend they could. All right. We don't need Medicare for all to shut down abuses by the pharmaceutical industry. And CNN published an article right after Trump's uh, press conference talking about convalescent plasma and as CNN often does they have the you know three or four paragraphs at the front of the article that people think is the whole article because what they do is right after that they put a uh, an ad break right under like the fourth fifth paragraph whatever it is and then beneath that there is a little button that says read more and then the bulk of the article pops up And in that bulk of the article, they talked specifically about how Anthony Fauci himself had slowed down approvals for COVID treatments. And the FDA, you know, they declined to comment on on Fauci in particular because they don't want to create interagency, you know, turmoil and friction, but. They were like, yeah, NIH doesn't have any say into this matter, and they don't have the access to the information that we have. Yet Anthony Fauci believes it's his job to tell everybody else what's safe and what's not safe. It's not his job. Anthony Fauci is not the expert on infectious disease. He simply runs an agency and has for 36 years. Anthony Fauci is going to go down as one of history's great villains for encouraging the American lockdown, which was entirely unnecessary. And that is being proven more true every single day. In the UK right now, they are all talking about how they should not have locked down. Sweden does not regret not locking down and has no reason to. At some point, People have to contend with these facts, okay? There is a real world that matters. The United States is no longer even in a pandemic classification. And I don't even think we're in an epidemic classification anywhere. The disease is gone. A paper came out, I believe, Friday or maybe Saturday that's showing that T-cell immunity is possessed by 81% of the public. Now, I don't know if it's going to be that high when all of, you know, when all the information is finally in, maybe it's lower, but it's at least 40 to 50% because study after study for months has said that. But even at 40 or 50%, that means half the people in the country can't get it. At 80%, that means only 20% of the country can get it. And then out of that, The death rate is extremely low, as it has been the entire time. And all the people that die virtually are over 65 and have comorbidities. It has to matter. At some point, it has to matter. It has to matter that Gavin Newsom, Andrew Cuomo, and Gretchen Whitmer, among others, are still holding their states back. From things that would make their states and their citizens better. And they're doing it on purpose. And I've explained multiple times the reasons why they are doing it. But at some point we have to hold these people accountable. We have to hold the party that's empowering them accountable. We have to hold the party that is exploiting this disease and the other crises we face for their own political power and to get rid of Donald Trump. And why are they doing this? And why are entertainment, academia, tech, corporations all on their side? Tell me one corporation that has spoken out against them. How many corporations have spoken out against Donald Trump? How many media outlets have spoken out against rioting? Fox, maybe. The other ones haven't. They've empowered it. Nicole Hannah-Jones, the Pulitzer Prize winner for the New York Times, said that rioting is not violence. Destruction of physical property is not violence. That obviously is one of the dumbest things that anyone's ever heard. But then again, she won a Pulitzer Prize for rewriting history to make it more racist. And this is what we choose to honor. So Trump has uh, Trump announced the convalescent plasma therapy on an emergency use authorization from the FDA. The. uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Alex Azar, spoke at the press conference, as did the director of the FDA. And they all noted that the treatment has worked exceptionally well with a 35% reduction in mortality. That is fantastic. That is fantastic by any measure of any treatment. So what else is it that we need to move forward from the beginning, what we should have done, and I've said it a thousand times, is protected the elderly and the people who are immunocompromised, all right? And if those people want to stay home and lock themselves down and quarantine themselves, that is fine. The rest of us do not need to. I am sick and tired of having my life restrained by an incompetent government in California. There is no reason why we can't go to concerts and go to sporting events and go to the movies and eat indoors. All of this is anti-science. The fact that they are still restricting us at all is crazy. We have already met all their standards for moving through their phases. Why don't we open well, because no one asks them, because no one holds Gavin to account, because Gavin's good looking and he talks like a uh, mix between Tom Waits and William Shatner. Gavin's one of the most corrupt politicians that has ever existed in the United States. Andrew Cuomo is the same. Andrew Cuomo is writing a fucking book, putting out a book. Well, of course, he's not writing it, but they they uh, had some little blurb about it today, I believe, in The Washington Post about how one of the focuses of the book is going to be how Andrew Cuomo pressured the feds for resources, which saved the city. Now that's first of all, a lie. He pressured them for ventilators. Now we have 95,000 unused ventilators that will never be used for anything. Cost $3 billion. Good job, Andrew. His state received $7 billion, For COVID care. Andrew Cuomo. Has achieved. The worst results. In the world. Next to his buddy. Phil Murphy in New Jersey. Which of course was infected. From New York. Andrew Cuomo is not a good man. He is not a smart man. He is the son. Of a former governor. Who was governor when I was growing up in New York. This is political nepotism and nothing more. There is nothing about Andrew Cuomo's brash cockiness that makes him a good leader. That is not what good leaders are. He cannot answer the important questions. He's refusing investigations into his nursing home debacle. How is this a good person? How is this a liberal hero? I don't know anymore what we are doing, okay? All of this is crazy. As always, I encourage everybody to watch Trump. Really watch him. In fact, there's a clip that you should all check out from the interview last night that he did with Steve Hilton on Fox News. Hilton asks him what he would do if China continues to threaten Taiwan as Taiwan has one of the biggest semiconductor uh, industries uh, companies in the world. Very important for technology, right? Um, And uh, Trump answered very confidently. You can see it in his eyes. Let's remember how we determine honesty with the people around us. Okay. How we read their body language how we determine whether what they're saying maps onto reality, all right? If Whether or not they're speaking confidently or they're hedging, whether they're mincing their words to make you think something that they don't have the confidence to say because they know it's a lie. So they will skirt around it and they will try to make you believe the lie without telling it. And watch Trump and see if you think that's what he's doing. Because he answers the question. He says, I don't think that this is an appropriate place for that to be discussed. But China knows what's going on. China knows. And of course, China knows. Because he just backed them down last week. He made China buy our corn, our soy, and our cattle. That is a big boon to middle American farmers, and it is a punishment to China for COVID. And China does not do that if China believes that they have the upper hand. And of course, they don't have the upper hand militarily, not at all. They are a threat to the entire world, but they cannot fuck with us just yet. And hopefully they will not be able to anytime soon, because hopefully we will not make the mistake of putting people in office who do whatever China wants them to do. Again, this is a communist totalitarian dictatorship that has 1 million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps. They are threatening Taiwan. They already took over Hong Kong. They are threatening the UK after we they pulled out of their Huawei 5G deal. And why did they do that? And why did Australia back off theirs? Because Trump told them, we will not share intelligence with you anymore if you allow that. And thank goodness. Would Joe Biden have done that? Nope. And then what? And then what? I don't know how it is that so many of our fellow citizens think that everything is just going to be okay and go back to normal. The level of ignorance and laziness is astounding to me. What world do you expect your children to grow up in? We do not live at the end of history. We live in the middle of history. History is never over. There is no reason to believe that the atrocities of the past cannot happen again. There are places in this world where slavery still exists in much larger numbers than it ever existed in America. Why does no one know that? There are places in this world where bombs are dropping and things are blowing up every day where people are getting killed every day. Do you want to be Syria? I don't. I also don't want to be China and I don't want to be Russia. If those systems of government were so good, then people would have chosen them for themselves. rather than doing what they have to because their government will kill them. A government that limits the number of children they can have. Does anyone care about what the purpose of life is anymore? The Swedes do. Half of Americans do. The other half don't care. They just want their job to be secure while they work from home in their pajamas, while they get paid to stay home while they take their kids out of public schools because the public schools are closed and put them in private schools because they can afford to do it. Then they elect heinous leaders who are supposed to be serving the minority communities that these voters pretend to care about. And when they fail those communities, they do nothing except elect them again. Because this is how they signify their moral goodness to the rest of the world. This has to stop. Speak to your friends and your family, those close to you. Do not be afraid of these people. No matter what moral claim they try to put on you. That you're stupid, that you're mad, that you're angry, that you're uninformed. That you're malicious, that you're racist, that you're sexist. None of it. No you know for yourself whether or not you have hateful thoughts. If you don't have hateful thoughts, you are not a hateful person. And if you allow a person to put that on you and force you to feel guilt, you are failing yourself and your country. Stand up to these people. If they tell you that you're a bad person for believing what you believe, Ask them why they're not busy proving you're wrong and instead they are attacking you. And if they can't prove you wrong, ask them where they get the fucking nerve to come at you in the first place. And if they still want to be mad, if they don't want to talk to you anymore, let them go. You will not need them in your life. They will not help you. They will not fight for you. When the situation matters the most, they will leave you and they will fail you. They will abandon you and they will betray you. They are proving it to you every day. You do not need to respect these people. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Listen to more Hope's fall. Goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm your moderator. If you have feedback, you can email. Hey moderator at I'm your or use the hashtag. Hey moderator on Twitter. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator.